From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to a special holiday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. I think you'll find today's programming encouraging. That's assuming you want to be encouraged. You know, I frequently hear people despairing over the upcoming generation of Americans, young people who appear to have been weaned on wokeness. You know, a, a lot have. But how is that different from the more seasoned generations, many of whom have gone silent, afraid to speak up about what they know to be true for fear of being canceled? You know, there are actually more and more young people who are standing up to the insanity of the left that has overrun our com- country. And, and ac- we're actually going to hear from one of them today. 12-time All-American swimmer Riley Gaines. Also, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley and his wife Erin join me to talk politics, family, and faith. Well, as we close out 2023 and prepare for even bigger battles and opportunities in 2024, let me ask you to uh, consider something. Will you stand with us on behalf of faith, family, and freedom by partnering with the Family Research Council? Generous friends of FRC have recently increased our challenge mats to $1.5 million. So here's how it works. If you give by New Year's Eve, your tax-deductible gift will have double the impact. And when you give any gift over $30, you'll receive a free copy of our new Stand on the Word journal. So to give, simply go to TonyPerkins.com or text the word GIVE to 67742. That's GIVE to 67742. Well, this past September, Family Research Council and FRC Action held our annual Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, drawing Christian voters from all across America to our nation's capital. It was, uh, it was a tremendous event. And if you missed it or you'd like to go back and see some of the highlights, uh, you can actually look at all of the content, the panels, the keynote speakers at prayvotestand.org. All the panels and keynotes are archived right there. Again, that's prayvotestand.org. Well, among the speakers at the summit was University of Kentucky graduate and 12-time All-American swimmer Riley Gaines, who made waves for speaking out after tying UPenn's Leah Thomas, a biological male swimmer, on the women's team at the 2022 NCAA Division I Women's Swimming and Diving Championships. Riley shared her story with us and talked about how the battle over female sports is much broader. We'll start from Riley's account of the NCAA's decision to enter Leah Thomas, whose birth name, by the way, is William Thomas, into the competition. So about three weeks before our national championships, they announced that Thomas would, in fact, be competing with the women, and it was a non-negotiable. His participation was a non-negotiable. That's the verbiage they used. And so I watched on the side of the pool that first day as Thomas swam to a national title, becoming the first man to win a Division I NCAA women's title, um, trailblazer, um, <laughs> beating out Olympians, beating out American record holders. Guys, these aren't scrubs. They're the most impressive female swimmers this world has ever seen, again, by body lengths. Even the, to- the time Thomas went last year and would have beat every girl in the country this year by body lengths. Um, but that second day of competition... Um, I didn't compete the first day. My events fell on the the back half of the week. And so the second day of competition was the 200 freestyle, which is the event that Thomas and I raced in. And so we swam prelims in the morning. We both qualified top eight. We come back that evening. 
We dive off the blocks, swim, touch the wall, and almost impossibly enough, we had tied, meaning we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second, which is pretty rare when you're racing for, you know, a minute and 40 seconds, and not even one one hundredth separated us, which shows me that God has his hand on this entirely. Um, But I get out of the water, I go behind the awards podium where typically you're handed this little $5 production trophy and you're named an All-American and everyone applauds. And so we go behind the awards podium where the NCAA official looks at both Thomas, who's towering over me at six foot four. Um, Wikipedia says six foot one. Uh, Wikipedia is lying. Thomas is six foot four. Towering over me at six foot four, the official looks at both of us and says, great job, you two, but you tied. Uh, And we only have one trophy, so we're going to give this trophy to Leah. Uh, Sorry, Riley, but you have to go home empty-handed. And I was so taken aback. Uh, My heart rate was high because I just raced. My adrenaline was still high. Um, I probably said some things I shouldn't have said. But ultimately, I looked at this official and asked the question that no one dared ask all season. And I said, why? Why are you giving the trophy to a man in the women's 200 freestyle? And I actually appreciate his honesty. His face visibly saddened. I'll never forget his eyes sunk in. He didn't even believe what he was about to tell me. But he looked at me and said, Riley, we've been advised when pictures are being taken, Leah has to have the trophy. You can pose with this one, but again, you have to give yours back. Leah takes the trophy home. You go home empty-handed, end of story. And so, of course, all season... We knew, and when I say we, I mean my parents, my coaches, my teammates, my competitors, again, any common sense person. We knew what was happening was wrong. We knew the unfair competition was wrong, the locker room, the silencing, the different pieces that, that contributed to this injustice. We knew it was wrong. But it wasn't until he reduced everything we had worked our entire lives for down to a photo op to validate the feelings and the identity of a male at the expense of our own, that's what pushed me over the edge and ultimately got me to this point where I was done waiting. Because I, I, truthfully, I had cowered. I had waited for someone else to do it. I had waited for, I thought surely a coach would say something. I thought surely someone with political power would do something. Someone's dad would come down there and yank this man out of our locker rooms. I thought surely, you know, maybe some other swimmer, someone who was supposed to be protecting us, would protect us. And I remember standing on that podium, sharing it, again, with a man who towers over me, holding this trophy I know I have to give back, which, let me reiterate, I could have cared less about the stupid trophy, right? Um, I'm a 12-time All-American. I have lots of those at home. It, it wasn't the tangible object. It was the principle behind it. But I'm holding this trophy, the, knowing I have to give mine back, and I... It hit me. How could we as women, we as female athletes, how could we be standing on this podium smiling and applauding, yet hoping someone jumps in to save us? This has to come from us. We can't expect someone else to do it if we're not willing to do it. And so that's kind of how I guess I got here. And I know I touched on the locker room, but very briefly, I think it's important um, for parents to hear Um, people who have women in their lives that they love, which hopefully that's all of us. Um, Because if I had to see it, you guys at least have to hear about it. 
we weren't forewarned we would be sharing a changing space. Uh, no one told us that this was the arrangement that would be had. Uh, the only time we became aware we would be undressing inches away from a six foot four, 22 year old male fully intact with and exposing male genitalia was when we were undressing inches away from a six foot four, 22 year old man intact with and exposing male genitalia. Um, the experience, of course, it's awkward, it's embarrassing, it's uncomfortable, it's violating. But the best word to describe it, without being over, overplaying what it was, is traumatic. And not even just traumatic necessarily because of what we were forced to see, but it was traumatic for me to know just how easy it was for those officials and the people who created these guidelines to totally dismiss our rights to privacy with not even a second thought, not even bare minimum forewarning us we would be sharing this changing space. So that's what that looked like. But again, that's the how. But more importantly, it's the why that matters. And it's a question we should all be asking ourselves. Why is this happening? And as a Christian myself, and I know so many, all of you in this room, which let me just say, it's revitalizing to share a space with God-fearing individuals. It's revitalizing. That's the best word for it. It's, at times, this can be very taxing. Um, but this fills my cup, so just putting that out there. Um, as a Christian myself... I know why this is happening. It's entirely spiritual warfare. It really is no longer a battle of right versus wrong or good versus bad. It's moral versus evil. Then I've looked that evil in the eyes in San Francisco and other places where, where these people claim to be acting out of love and inclusion and tolerance and acceptance and welcoming and, and all of those different things. That's not what love is. Myself, I refer back to this term of true love and what that means and how those words are synonymous. It is loving to say the truth. Anything else is the opposite of love. It is not compassionate to ask a young girl to undress in front of a man. And it is not inclusive to ask us to smile and step aside and allow men onto our podiums. That's exclusive to the very female athletes who Title IX was passed to protect. And I know there's a lot of women, because I, I talked to a lot of you before this, who had told me, you know, it was my generation who fought for Title IX, not to age you guys, sorry. Um, <laughs> but in some of y'all's same lifetime, you're seeing the benefits, you saw the benefits of Title IX, a beautiful 37 word, it's only 37 words, federal civil rights law, um, that prevents discrimination on the basis of sex, giving women opportunity in, in athletics, but also in education in so many different aspects. It's a lot broader than just sports. In your same lifetime, you're seeing the benefits of Title IX, and now you're seeing those same benefits being stripped away, um, causing us as women, as young girls, to become collateral damage in the process. Um, but as I said, it's a lot broader than women's sports. And why this should be pretty chilling to all of us is we're denying objective 
truth. The most basic of truths at that, man and woman, it's the essence of humanity. Hate to break it to you, that's how we're all here, man and woman. And they're asking us to deny that. That's like asking us to deny that the sky is blue. It's a pretty Orwellian idea. Two plus two is five. And so many of us, again, not necessarily the people in this room, but the people outside this room who don't know God, so many of us are adhering to this and other things. Notice how we refer to ourselves as biological women. I think that's so funny because, and for the longest time I did too, I thought I had to make the distinction, you know, I'm a biological female and this person is a biological male. We have to stop with that. Um, We... We cannot refer to ourselves as biological anything. Um, that's admitting that there's an unbiological alternative. And there's not. There is man and there is woman. There is male and there is female. There is girl and there is boy. There is mother and there is father. There, this idea that we can change what God created us to be is beyond absurd. Um, But again, we're seeing this transcend into so many different realms. Of course, sports, the education system, um, academia, the media, churches, corporate America. Um, It's, again, pretty chilling. That was swimmer Riley Gaines at the Pray Vote Stand Summit, and there's more to come. Stick around. She finishes after this. For 40 years, Family Research Council has been in Washington, D.C., championing faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture from a biblical worldview. But it isn't easy. As the culture continues to become increasingly divided, believers must continue defending biblical truth while many on the left wish to silence and marginalize Christians. Will you join us? Your financial support has never been more important. Thanks to your partnership, we can continue to reach more Americans with the important news from Washington, D.C. Equip believers to stand firm in our culture and defend biblical truth in the halls of government. Every donation we receive will go towards preserving and advancing policies for a culture that honors faith, family, and freedom. To give, text the word GIVE to 67742. Again, text GIVE to 67742. Don't miss Family Research Council's new podcast, Outstanding. Brought to you by FRC's team at The Washington Stand, this podcast is designed to examine top news stories and cultural issues from a distinctly biblical worldview with an aim to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Join host and senior fellow for biblical worldview, Joseph Backholm, as he examines recent developments and cultural phenomena through the lens of Scripture and explores how Christians should respond. New guests join the podcast every week to unpack the headlines and discuss what's going on in the world. Topics range from recent political developments to social issues and spiritual battles. We invite you to follow along with these critical conversations as we release new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. You don't want to miss it. To listen, go to WashingtonStand.com slash podcast slash outstanding and be sure to look for the outstanding podcast on your favorite podcasting app today. 
Join Family Research Council's Association of Churches and Ministries, a community of pastors and ministry leaders united in refusing to hide their faith in Jesus from those that would try to silence us. As we face an increasingly hostile culture, the Association of Churches and Ministries provides invaluable resources and a powerful platform to grow and be equipped for the ministry God has entrusted to you. Together, we will stand firm, united in faith. Visit acm.frc.org and become a member today. If you're a young adult passionate about seeing biblical values championed in our country, check out Family Research Council's internship program. This three-month program is both a discipleship and development opportunity where you get to take part in truly meaningful work and help advance faith, family, and freedom in public policy and our culture. Featuring hands-on experience, biblical worldview training, free housing, and more, this internship is a great opportunity for spiritual and professional development. Check out frc.org internships to apply today. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, and the website is TonyPerkins.com. So today we're broadcasting special content from the 2023 Pray Vote Stand Summit that was held in Washington this past September. Among the many speakers at the summit was University of Kentucky graduate and 12-time All-American swimmer Riley Gaines. Here is the rest of what she had to say. I want to leave you guys with a call to action As parents, as grandparents in this room, be willing to defend your daughters. Your daughters need you. This battle has fallen um, a lot on the shoulders of young girls and women like myself. But we need parents to be willing to defend their daughters. That being said, I think this conversation very naturally and understandably becomes centered around girls and women. And we ask ourselves the question of where are the feminists, which don't even get me started. (laughs) Megan Rapino and Billie Jean King, women who claim and really did women who, who fought for women, women's rights and women's access and resources and facilities and Megan Rapino women's pay. Yeah. They're undermining all of that now by actively fighting for male inclusion in women's sports and women's spaces. But anyways, while we ask ourselves the question of where are the feminists, we should be asking ourselves the question just as often as where, of where are the men. We need strong men. We need men. We need men to be willing to fulfill their biblical role, which is to protect and provide. Um, There's a saying, and it's hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. And it's really interesting because you can see this cycle play out throughout history. Um, And there's no doubt in my mind we're in the part of the process now where weak men have created hard times. Um, I think the last time we had a society full of strong men is in the 1940s during World War II uh, when men were lying about their age to enlist in the draft. And now we have men lying about their sex to get into women's sports. It's this crazy juxtaposition, but I think it proves the cycle that I'm talking about. Um, So again, we can only hope that these hard times garner strong men, but parents, as you're defending your daughters, teach your sons masculinity. Teach them to be strong men. Of course, teach them to uphold and respect and honor women but teach them how to be strong men. We live in a society, and again, I know this coming from a college campus, um, 
being a Gen Zer. Can I identify as not a Gen Zer? Maybe I'll do that. I don't, I don't identify as a, a Gen Zer. Um, but we've deemed masculinity as toxic and bad and this undesirable trait. Uh, but again, we need masculine men. Um, last thing I want to say, just know it's liberating to speak the truth. Once you do, and once you, you realize you don't have to be coerced by the rules or the guidelines that go against your moral compass, what you know to be just, what you know to be right, what you know to be true and fair, it feels like a weight is off of your shoulders. Um, And know that we're in the overwhelming majority on this issue. This is certainly a winning issue, and I think people are becoming more bold. They're becoming more inspired uh, and more willing to acknowledge that. I get told I'm brave all the time. I get told I'm courageous, um, which just kind of makes me chuckle because, again, I'm saying the most basic thing someone could quite literally be saying, um, and it's that men are men and women are women, and there are two sexes, and you can't change your sex. Uh, Seems pretty straightforward to me. Um, And it kind of, as I said, it made me just kind of laugh. You know, why are we, why am I getting called brave? And ultimately, I realized we're scared of different things. Um, what the people calling me brave are scared of, and understandably so, is the name calling. That's what it is, right? Transphobic, homophobic, racist, white supremacist, domestic terrorist, fascist. Um, I do get called them all. This cancel culture. And while I do agree that's scary, what should be scarier to all of us is denying truth. Let's lay it out really quick for what it is, right? I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going here. Sorry. The changing of the language, as I mentioned, we're being called egg producers by people appointed by the administration leading this country. Um, The changing of the language, the silencing, the denying of objective truth, of biological reality, of biblical truth, the breakdown of family, the breakdown of faith, the breakdown of our freedoms, such as the freedom of speech, It's textbook Marxism. Textbook. And you open any textbook, any history book, and you see how that turns out for any civilization. And it's not pretty. Yet again, we're step by step going in that direction. This downward spiral, and it's a slippery slope, not to mention other aspects of it, like the taking of the guns. We saw how that turned out for the New Mexico governor. Um, And the mandatory vaccines and different aspects Talk to someone from Russia or China or Cuba or Brazil or Venezuela or North Korea or Germany and see what they say about where we're at and what these beginning stages looked like for them in terms of propaganda and different things. Um, Again, I wasn't going to go there, but I did. (laughs) Um, Anyways, my favorite Bible verse, and it's always been my favorite Bible verse, is Romans 8.18 which is for our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Um, I loved this verse when I was younger because I applied it to swimming. Um, Our present sufferings, which was very much practice, uh, it it wasn't worth comparing to that feeling when you win. I felt it was applicable to my life then. But what I'm realizing, it is so applicable, even more so applicable to my life now. And I think that's a verse we should all look to. Our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us.
You are listening to a special edition of Washington Watch. That was 12-time All-American swimmer turned advocate Riley Gaines during the 2023 Pray Vote Stand Summit. And um, there's more of this special broadcast to come as we're broadcasting highlights from our summit uh, that was held this past September. If you missed any of the summit or you want to revisit any of that content, it's all archived. Panels, keynote sessions, prayvotestand.org. Let me invite you, if you would consider joining with the Family Research Council to ensure, number one, that Washington Watch continues and that the Stand for Faith, Family and Freedom grows stronger as we move into 2024. We receive no government money. It's all from folks like you across this country who care about the country, your family, and defending the faith. If you'd like to join with us, simply text the word GIVE to 67742. That's GIVE to 67742. Stay with us. We'll be back after the break. Most of us have wrestled with deep questions about the meaning of life at one time or another. Questions like, why are we here? What has gone wrong with our world? Is there any hope? And how does it all end? Thankfully, David Clausen, director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council, has carefully answered each of these tough questions in his latest publication titled, An Introduction to Worldview. With 81% of evangelical church attendees claiming to hold a biblical worldview and only 21% actually holding a biblical worldview, resources like this are more important than ever. With this new resource, we invite you, your family, and your church to evaluate what makes up a worldview and to see how a biblical worldview provides the most satisfying answers to life's biggest questions. To read the full publication and to see other resources from FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview, visit frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. Don't miss Family Research Council's new podcast, Outstanding. Brought to you by FRC's team at The Washington Stand, this podcast is designed to examine top news stories and cultural issues from a distinctly biblical worldview with an aim to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Join host and senior fellow for Biblical Worldview, Joseph Backholm, as he examines recent developments and cultural phenomena through the lens of Scripture and explores how Christians should respond. New guests join the podcast every week to unpack the headlines and discuss what's going on in the world. Topics range from recent political developments to social issues and spiritual battles. We invite you to follow along with these critical conversations as we release new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. You don't want to miss it. To listen, go to WashingtonStand.com slash podcast slash outstanding and be sure to look for the Outstanding Podcast on your favorite podcasting app today. Welcome back to Washington Watch. You're listening to a special edition of Washington Watch as we look back at some of the highlights from this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. And if you'd like to see more of it, it's all at prayvotestand.org. Well, what I want to share with you next is that during the summit, I had a sit-down interview with Missouri Senator Josh Hawley and Aaron Hawley, his wife, who is the senior counsel and vice president of the Center for Life and Regulatory Practice at Alliance Defending Freedom. If you want to hear about how this power couple met, you can hear their story at prayvotestand.org. That's where you can find, again, all the panels and the keynote sessions where they're archived. Again, prayvotestand.org. Well, in this part of the conversation that we're about to play, we talked about the left's efforts to silence conservatives 
And we start with Missouri's pushback against big tech, which started when Senator Hawley was attorney general for the state. Here is Senator Josh Hawley. We were the first, when I was attorney general, we were the first state in the country to go after Google to sue them, then to go after Facebook. And uh, that has now continued. And, and uh, my, as you said, my successor, the current, current attorney general, has taken this all the way to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, his own cases, to be clear. And he's done a phenomenal job. And what we've learned is that big government, the Biden administration, has used those tech companies. They've been happy to go along, by the way, but they have used them as a mouthpiece of their liberal agenda such that we now know those tech companies have censored parents, they have censored religious believers, they have censored people of faith. They said for years we were crazy. You know, we'd say that, and the media would say, oh, that's not true. That's a conspiracy theory. Now we've got it in black and white. They censored us. It is a First Amendment violation. They violated the Constitution, and we have got to make sure it never happens again. And all of that because we stood up. Yeah, and we just we see another pattern emerging that with the the White House sending out a letter to the uh, legacy media telling them not to pay attention to the uh, Republican inquiry of impeachment. Of course, we have the new variant of COVID out, the election variant uh, that uh, that is out. Uh, I mean, it, it's like we're seeing a repeat. Yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think what we find is this administration. And the radical left has an incredible thirst for power, Tony. And, and I would just say, I, I don't know how you feel, but I think we are facing the most serious threat to our country in any of our lifetimes. And I mean, maybe, maybe in the last century or more. I mean, the radical cultural Marxism, the new Marxism that is driving this administration and is driving the left, it is a thirst for power. And you're seeing it, Tony. I mean, if you disagree with them... They will come after you. They will try to shut you down. Heck, they would throw us all in jail if they could. They absolutely would. And it's, a, it's an extremism of a kind we've never seen, I think, in this country before. And that is why, above all, it is a time for all conservatives, but especially for believers. It is a time for us to stand up and defend the principles of this country. Amen. Not, not only have they... They weaponize government uh, against us, but they've got their stormtroopers out there, Antifa. And in fact, Aaron, you experienced this a few years back when Antifa, you were home alone with your newborn daughter here in D.C., and they they came to your house. And, and, And I mean, it was a threatening mob. Most people don't see that. Of course, the media rarely reports that. I mean, we had a shooting at our place 12 years ago, and the media kind of no big deal. How did that impact your view of moving forward in this space? So I think two things. Um, First, I was incredibly thankful Josh had taken the boys to Missouri. So I was incredibly thankful they were not there. Um, And and so weren't frightened by uh, the mob outside the door. Um, So so definitely God's provision in that. Um, But I think it also just confirms, um, you know, it, it is often when you're doing the work of the Lord, um, that you face opposition. And so, so I think that is part of that um, and that we have an obligation to stand firm in that calling um, even when you face situations like that. Did you maybe have second thoughts about maybe I go back home to Missouri where it's a little safer? <laughs> I, I definitely would like to go back home to Missouri, but, but not for that reason. <laughs> um, it, it honestly made me a little angry just to think that you know people would plan to come at night when families are 
it, you know, supposed to be at home in the safety of their, their home with their families enjoying dinner. And, and to disrupt that purposefully, right. um, I think, is, is uncalled for. Josh, we're at a new level. Uh, it's not just – I remember when I was in elected office back in Louisiana, I would disagree with Democrats and we'd go to lunch. Uh, they want to eat you for lunch now. I mean, it, it, it just, it's, it's not the same. There, there is no camaraderie. There's no almost, it's like we used to work for one picture. We might have a different a strategy of doing it. But there, there is a spiritual side of what is happening right now. When we look at these debates over whether a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, and, and I mean, it's just, it's, we're at a different time. And, and I think that what's really at stake here is the spiritual foundation of the country. You know, I mean, there's one thing that I will agree with Joe Biden on. When he says that we are really in a struggle for the soul of America, he's right about that. Yes. He's right about that. It, it is our nation's soul that is at stake here. And what you see is the radical left that now controls the Democrat Party, they want to change this nation's soul. That's why they want to rewrite our history. They want to say we were founded in 1619, not 1776. They want to say we were founded on oppression. And, Tony, let's just be, let's be honest. Let's tell the truth here. Their real target in all of that is our Christian faith yes. and our Christian heritage. They want to erase it. They want to uh, pretend that it is the source of all evil and oppression. And the truth is America is the greatest country in the history of the world because we are founded on biblical principles. That's the reason. And we should be bold in saying it. That was U.S. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri at this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. There's more straight ahead. But let me again invite you to join with the Family Research Council and stand with us as we stand for you here in our nation's capital. Text the word GIVE to 67742. Text GIVE to 67742. All right, don't go away. After the break, we continue the conversation with the Hollies. Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Then join Family Research Council's Association of Churches and Ministries. This community is for pastors and ministry leaders who are united in refusing to hide their faith in Jesus from those that would try to silence us. Together, we choose to stand on God's Word, no matter the cost. As we face an increasingly hostile culture, the Association of Churches and Ministries provides a powerful platform to come together, grow, and be equipped for the ministry God has entrusted to you. By joining this collective, you gain exclusive access to invaluable resources, updates from Washington, D.C. to your leadership and ministry team, special discounts on FRC events, and much more. Together, we will stand firm, united in faith, unyielding in truth. Don't miss your chance to be a part of something greater. Visit acm.frc.org and become a member today. Are you passionate about living out your faith in the public square? Are you invested in rebuilding America's spiritual foundations? We are too. Here at Family Research Council, we have made it our mission to champion the kingdom of God by advancing faith, family, and freedom in our nation and culture. Would you consider joining us? Each day, we work to educate spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives, proclaim truth on cancel-resistant platforms, promote a biblical worldview in public policy and culture, and engage believers to get involved. Together, we can work towards a prevailing culture in which all human life is valued 
families flourish, and religious liberty thrives. To get involved, you can donate to FRC by texting the word GIVE to 67742. Again, text GIVE to 67742. Are you tired of the mainstream media censoring Christian and conservative voices? Are you looking for news about the most important topics of the day presented to you through the lens of biblical truth? FRC has the answer. The Washington Stand. The Washington Stand is Family Research Council's outlet for news and commentary from a biblical worldview, covering issues from abortion, sexuality, and religious liberty, to education, to what's happening on Capitol Hill and around the world. The Washington Stand reports on the top stories affecting faith, family, and freedom that the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. Subscribe today to receive the latest news from the Washington Stand in your inbox every weekday morning by texting TWS to 67742 or by visiting WashingtonStand.com. Again, that's TWS to 67742. It's beginning to Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in to today's special program. We've been playing some of the highlights from the 2023 Pray Vote Stand Summit that was held in Washington, D.C. We had a great lineup of uh, speakers. It was just, quite frankly, it was phenomenal. And a number of topics that were covered, including religious freedom, gender ideology, election integrity, the military, the protection of the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, the growing indoctrination in our nation's schools, and, and, and much more. You can find all the sessions, and I think you'll be encouraged by it, prayvotestand.org. Also, as we close out 2023 and prepare for even bigger battles in 2024, as we take a stand for faith, family, and freedom, let me ask you, would you consider standing with us, partnering with the Family Research Council? If you'd like to uh, stand with us financially, your tax-deductible gift will be doubled because of a $1.5 million matching gift that's been put forward by some generous supporters. So if you would like to join with us, simply text the word GIFT to 67742. And for gifts over $30, you'll receive a free copy of our new Stand on the Word journal. Again, text the word GIVE to 67742. All right, we're going to close out today's special edition. We're going to finish up my conversation with D.C. power couple Josh and Aaron Holly. We'll start from our discussion of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling on the Dobbs case, which sent Roe v. Wade to the dustbin of history. Aaron Holly was very much involved in that, so I wanted to get her thoughts, and that's where we pick up. Were you surprised by the outcome? So I actually wasn't. Um, I, I was one of the, the ones that thought we'd never get a better court. We had to go for it. Um, and I think the day when people realized that Roe might actually be on the chopping block was December 1st, 2021, when the Supreme Court heard oral argument. And during that oral argument, we heard Justice Kavanaugh say things like, you know, the Constitution's silent on abortion. Why should the court make up this rule that we can kill children? Uh, we had heard Justice Amy Bar- Coney Barrett being really you know, positive, like there are not burdens on women. There are these other options uh, that are available. And so I think at that argument, we could could hope um, that what we've been praying for for so many generations might actually happen. So, Josh, how do we get that court? Well, we got that court really because of President Donald Trump. I mean, that's the truth. When you see him later tonight, thank him for me, will you? I mean, 
And, and also because, listen, the thing that President Trump did that, uh, Tony, I think was so courageous and that, frankly, no other Republican presidential candidate, really since Reagan, you know, Reagan was very clear on this when he first ran for president in 1980, that he was pro-life and he was going to appoint pro-life judges. He said that. And Donald Trump said that in 2016. He said, I'm going to put pro-life judges on the bench, on the Supreme Court. And I remember when I had just come to the Senate, and it was before there was the Amy Coney Barrett vacancy, uh, before uh, Justice Ginsburg had had died. And uh, I just said, you know what? I want to make this really clear. So I went to the floor of the Senate, and I just said, I want to be clear. I'm not going to vote as a United States senator for any Supreme Court justice, any nominee to the court, who is not clear that Roe versus Wade is wrongly decided. I don't want any nudge, nudge, wink, wink. They got to say it. I want to know that they understand because it is, it's such a landmark issue. If you think Roe is okay, or if you think that it's just, uh, you know, ho-hum, then you don't understand the role of the court in America. You don't understand the Constitution. And I think, frankly, you don't understand what life is about. And so President Trump, to his great credit, nominated Amy Coney Barrett, who had been openly critical of Roe. And the left had a meltdown, and we confirmed her anyway. And uh, now Roe is gone. I, re- I remember you making that speech from the floor. In fact, I, I played it on my program. I think I had you on the program talking about it. But I think that's the clarity that we need. And for years, you know, we, we kind of did this wink and a nod. We had leaders that would kind of stand in the shadows. We need to stand in the light and make very clear what we're for. And, and I will go one step further in terms of Donald Trump making those three appointments to the court. He did it because of you. Because you put him in office, you stood with him, and you believed what he said, and he did what he said he was going to do. That is refreshing. You recently wrote a book. I think it's outstanding. You've been talking about this for some time. It's actually something we began working on at the Family Research Council a number of years ago with our Stand Courageous Men's Conferences. But if we could solve one issue and one issue alone in this nation that could turn around so much, it would be dealing with the issue of masculinity, manhood, and fatherhood. Absolutely. I mean, if you just look at the statistics, you want to solve the problem of kids in poverty in America, put a father back in the home. You want to deal with the epidemic, the epidemic of crime and violence in this country. And by the way, has it ever been more obvious that the liberal soft on crime policies don't work, that they destroy whole communities? But you want to deal with that with children, with the the youth epidemic of violence? Put a father in the home. And what the liberals have said, Tony, for years, and you've been fighting this battle, they've said that fathers don't matter. They've said the two-parent family is outmoded and outdated and it doesn't matter. Nothing could be further from the truth. And we need to call a generation of men. We need to tell them. You want your life to matter. You want to have a legacy. You want to have significance. Get married. Have children. Invest your life in something more than you, and you'll matter. And you'll change your life, and you'll change this country. And we need to call men to that. It's really basic. That's what our nation was built upon, laying a foundation for the next generation And today, even in our budgeting, when we have $32 trillion in debt, we're not laying a foundation for the next generation. We're actually consuming what the next generation should have. And so it it all starts back in the home. So, Aaron, I want want to ask you this question because we're at a, a, 
we, we've discussed this, it's been brought up. We're at a very pivotal time in our nation. It's not a time to retreat. It's a time to advance, to engage, and we see this across the country. We've trained over 3,500 individuals for school board races, and we see that mothers, fathers running for school board. You've been involved, as we just talked about, some very significant cases. You're raising young children. Give mothers, young women, kind of some encouragement of how we can balance all of those things. So, so balance is, is always a, a juggling act, as Joshua knows. Um, but, but I think it's just with the Lord's grace. Um, and I think one thing that can trip moms up um, is just being afraid. Um, I, I realized last night, actually, as I was praying for my kids, we, we take turns putting them to bed. Joshua reads them a story um, and then prays with them and puts them to bed. And then, then I go in and sing a song that I've sung to them, Jesus Loves Me. So, so they're 10 and 8, but they still love that song, which is wonderful. Uh, so go in and sing to them and pray for them, and, and um, they go to bed. Um, and I realized as I was praying for them, I say the same thing every night, and I pray for the Lord to protect them from the top of their head to the bottom of their toes. And if you know our children, you know this prayer is very necessary. <laughs> it's very important. Um, but, but it struck me last night that that's not the most important thing that I can be praying for. Uh, the most important thing that I can be praying for them is for them to, to grow up in the strength and courage to fulfill the call that God has on their lives and to really place themselves as, as humble servants to, to walk out and to work out that call and, and to do what it is that he's called them to, um, even in the face of opposition. And so, so I'm going to try to pray for that, uh, even though that, that scares me as a mom, because I know that call uh, can come with uh, challenges as well. But I was talking with Josh about this, listened to a, a sermon last night um, from Elijah, from uh, second, or Elisha, I should say, Second Kings 4, and the sermon was about the woman who, who has no children, uh, that God miraculously gives her a child. Uh, the child dies suddenly, so she's going to Elisha for help. And as she's going, she tells her husband, it will be all right. And I love that faith and confidence in, in the midst of raising children in what can seem like a scary culture. We know it will be all right because God is on his throne. Oh, that's good. That's so good. I'm going to give you a similar question, Josh. As Aaron talked about the hostility that we see, and it's very real. You made reference to it. And, and not everyone's called to be a United States senator, uh, fortunately. Um, <laughs> Some who were there probably weren't called, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them need to be called home. But uh, the, the reality is, uh, we were talking about this earlier in the, uh, t- this morning about Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall where Nehemiah's strategy was that each built in front of their own home. So we're all called to different places. But we live in a time of great intimidation. People are losing their jobs. Uh, People are being marginalized. They're being attacked. Nothing like what we see when I was on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, the, the, the deaths and persecutions that are happening abroad, although I would say it's connected to our own hostility here toward religion at home. What would you say? To, to, to men about the times in which we live and how to face those challenging times? Well, I, I, w- I would just say this, that, you know, it's a, it is a challenging time that we live in, but it is also a tremendous blessing. I mean, you think about this. Whatever else you say to your kids and your grandkids now and for years to come, what you will not say to them is, ah, oh, we lived in a time that was 
It was very boring. Nothing of import was going on. It was all very calm, right? That's not today. That's not this America. What you're going to say is, what we say to our kids, and what the truth is, is that we live in a time of enormous consequence. But that means we have the privilege, Tony, to act and stand and be bold in a time of enormous consequence. So... I just think that, you know, we can be discouraged and say that uh, this is tough. This is a tough time. Sure, but it's also the Lord has called us to this time. He's placed us in this time. He's given us a voice in this time, and he's given us the opportunity by being bold, by taking a stand, by praying and, and fighting with the weapons of faith and putting on the full armor of God. He's given us the opportunity to change the direction of this nation. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to say to our kids in years to come, and my grandkids, Lord willing, one day, that in this time of trial, that we did everything we could, that we took a stand for the Lord, that we did what he called us to do, that we fought the good fight, that we ran the good race to the best of our ability, and we left the rest to him. And I just think for men, what higher calling could there be in any walk of life? So I just say, let's embrace it. Rather than being afraid or intimidated or, or for heaven's sake, feel sorry for ourselves, let's embrace it. This is a time of consequence. The Lord has given us great opportunity. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we're here for it. Absolutely. And as Paul wrote in Philippians, in all things, give thanks. And, and, And in these times of great anxiety and difficulty, give thanks. When we give thanks and thanking God and embracing the opportunities we have, we see the power of God begin to work. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask you just to kind of share with how can we be praying for, for you uh, as a couple and as a family, but also just how can, from your vantage points, how do we need to be praying for our nation? I'll go first while Aaron takes a drink. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think for the nation... Well, I would, just, I would just say this. I, I think that what we, as, as believers, and certainly this is true for me personally, I, I think what we need as believers is we need a baptism of courage. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we need to, the left wants to intimidate us. The left wants to silence us. You know, you talked about what the, this administration's doing. You know, they're sending SWAT teams to the homes of pro-life demonstrators. You know, that's an incredible violation of our Constitution, by the way. I mean, it's just sickening. But why are they doing it? Because they want to intimidate us. Because they want us to be silent. Why are they putting informants into churches? The FBI is putting informants into churches in this nation, in this day and age. Can you believe this? Why are they doing it? Because they want to intimidate us. They want us to be afraid. And that's the, that's the, the whole agenda of the enemy is always to want us to be afraid. So I think, Tony, for me, for Aaron... But I think for the nation, let's pray for a baptism of courage for believers in this country to stand up and to trust the Lord and to say that we'll, we'll, we'll speak for him no matter what it costs us. And if we're, you know, we're denounced and disliked and, and uh, uh, we're cast out by the, uh, the elites, you know, so be it. I mean, what a privilege to get to stand for the Lord in this time. Sounds biblical. We should do it. And for my part, I I would echo that. Um, I I love that. And then I'm also reminded, um, I had the chance long ago to work for um, the the Bush administration and the Department of Justice. And he gave a speech at the end of the year just sort of thanking uh, folks for serving. 
Um, and someone asked him, you know, what was the, the most surprising thing um, of his tenure? And he pulled a card from his pocket. Um, and on it was a prayer um, that someone had sent him, someone he didn't know. And he said, the most surprising thing has been the power of people praying for me that I've never met. Um, so, so we covet those prayers. Uh, we thank you for them, and, and we're so grateful. Can I pray for you? Can we pray for you? Will you join me in praying for Josh and Aaron? Father, we thank you for our time together, and I thank you for Josh and Aaron and for their family. And we do pray for a covering of protection upon them and a, a fresh anointing of boldness and of courage. And, Lord, I pray that we would all experience in the body of Christ, just as the disciples prayed after being threatened by the religious crowd, they went and they prayed for boldness to speak the word of God. Lord, may Josh continue to be given opportunity and platform. And may Aaron be able to use her gifts and talents, Lord, to advance truth and righteousness in this day. And Lord, may they continue to be an example to others. Strengthen them, encourage them, protect them. Lord, we bless them in your name, in Jesus' name. That was Josh and Aaron Holly at the 2023 Pray Vote Stand Summit when we sat down and had a conversation. And once again, if you'd like to access more of the content from the summit, visit prayvotestand.org. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And once again, let me leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.